I want to share some thoughts on anger today. If you've been around me very long, you know that generally I don't give full vent to my emotions. I doubt. Um, I'm not a person who cusses. I, you know, there are some things that uh, I feel like God's helped me with, so to speak. But at the same time, about six months ago, God revealed an area of anger in me that I was completely unaware of. I was, uh, I realized that in the mornings, I could get up and within minutes be more anger-driven than anything. And it was kind of just getting out of bed and getting going. Uh, it's been a discipline that I followed for years, but as much as anything, it was anger-driven. And if things aren't going quite the way that I think they ought to go, I could be stewing inside within minutes of getting up. And I felt like the Lord is saying, uh, you know, when you stand before me, <laughs> all that's been done with this anger drive is just wood, hay, and stubble. Worthless. So the disciplines that I'd been following, anger-driven, just were worthless. And I'm going, oh, but how do you change that once you, you know, that's, I assume in some ways that was family training. You know, just when I look back at it, but making it different and yet keeping, in a sense, the disciplines are a good thing. But how do you drive yourself without that, so to speak? Now, I've been chewing on that for months. So you're going to get some of the leftovers from, from the the scripture in regard to that. And I, I just want to go through a few things. Um, I, the very first time we see anger expressed in scripture is when Cain uh, gets mad enough to kill his brother. And yet, in that story, we realize that he brought a sacrifice to God and it, it wasn't accepted because he hadn't done his best and he hadn't really done what he was supposed to do. We don't know the full details of it, but... God tells them, if you do what is right, won't it be accepted? And, and so there's this awareness that, you know, he, is, he has done something that isn't appropriate before the Lord, and yet God warns him, he says, sin's crouching at the door. You're going to have to learn how to control this. You're going to have to exert your will over this feeling. Well, he doesn't do it, and he He's mad at the guy that did things right, and so he takes him out in the field and kills him. And I, you, you're looking at that story, and you're going, there's a couple things that stand out. This idea that when we're aroused in anger, we have a responsibility to exert some control over that. However that takes place. But also... Sometimes our anger is more at God than it is at others, but it comes out at others. We're frustrated with life. We don't think things are going quite the way that we think they should, or we're just, you know, upset over the situation, 
and we strike out at whoever's close. It wasn't Abel's fault that, that his sacrifice had been accepted. It was a good thing. If anything, it was a model saying, if you do what's right, God will embrace this. But instead, it was taking a shot at the one who was innocent in that situation. So I look at that and I'm going, okay, how much of anger feelings are really saying, I'm not happy with my station in life at this moment, or I'm not satisfied with the way things are going, and I strike out at others, but really my issues with the Lord? It's, <laughs> it's a good question to ask. And if we take that a step further and say, he's good, so who's not seeing things right? Who's not seeing things appropriately? Well, it's not God. So we have to go back and start sorting that out. Um, let's jump into the New Testament. Jesus makes this statement. He says, and this, he is in the Sermon on the Mount. He takes the commandments and he tightens them up a bit. In other words, you know, he's saying, you've been told, don't murder anyone. And that's good advice, folks. Okay, just, just so you know. Don't murder anyone. I, that's a good step forward. But he goes on then and says, if you've called somebody a fool, you've done equivalent. You go, whoops. <laughs> it's like, the bar's here, don't murder, and then suddenly he brings it up here. And, you know, in looking at that, what is, what is that term about? It's, it's kind of taking that demeaning or derogatory approach, dismissing somebody through an insult or a wound, you know, because of a wound. You know, you're, you're mad, and it's not taking a physical slam, but it's coming out with a verbal slam that hopefully hurts, Right? And this is one of those terms where, you know, the easiest thing to do is say, well, I don't call people fool. Um, again, you're nitpicking something that is intended bigger. Because in some ways, um, it's like, you know, the parable of the prodigal son, or the, excuse me, the uh, Good Samaritan, where he goes and finds somebody laying on the road that's been beaten up by robbers. And the idea is we're to love our neighbor. And what we'd like to do is just say, well, I haven't seen anybody laying beside the road beaten up by robbers, so I'm good. That's kind of reducing the story so that it really can't apply to you, right? In the same way, this thing of using the term fool, it's anytime we start throwing these slams at people, and we're calling names, it's dangerous in regard to the kingdom of God because it's intended to wound. And so we have to look at it and say, okay, that shouldn't be a part of my life. Now, as soon as we get into a topic like this, somebody's going to say, well, what about Jesus and the temple? Remember how he saw the money changers and he fashions a whip and he drives them out of there, he turns the tables over 
And you're kind of going, yeah, he said do this, but what's going on here? And I've looked at that, and there's a couple things that stand out to me. It does not say in Scripture that he was angry. It says that he's zealous. And you're kind of going, well, that's just like semantics. (laughs) Um, The question comes out, can we respond to something in a violent action if it's for a greater good with a cool, calm mind? Wars are fought that way. There's a question of what's the intent. And we're going to get into it a little later that that the kingdom of God was being perverted by this selling in the temple and making it difficult for people to worship God. And Jesus was upset about that. You know, and he's, he's going, this is wrong. Now, the other side of that is, <laughs> I can only take that so far. I mean, I, I, I look at it, and I'm kind of going, he's the son of God. He knew what he was up to. I don't necessarily have the right to declare, well, I'm a child of God, so what I do is right. Because regularly, pride comes out in such things. Or a selfishness that wants things my way. It has little to do with the, the kingdom of God. Um, let's go on though. In the fifth chapter of Matthew, Jesus also says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. And the idea is power under control. Blessed are those who take the power that's in their lives and harness it for value. Let's go on to Ephesians. Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In another translation, it says it that way. (laughs) The cause of your do not give the devil an opportunity. So he says, deal with your anger. Deal with it the same day. But also, if you don't, there's this open door, so to speak, that gives Satan room to, to plague your life and challenge you. Um, I I look at this and I'm going, in the moment when the adrenaline is pumping, there's the need to say, do I need to respond to this now? What's godly in the response? Do I need to release it and just forget about it? Can I do that? I guess is a fair question, but... Do I need to just say, eh, it's, it's not worth dealing with? Or do I need to, in a sense, I, I want to say repress it because it's another R, but the idea is, do I need to wait for a better time to deal with this? You know, do I need to, in other words, are emotions high on both sides, and it's just better dealt with at another moment. But it's like this, this reasoning thing that takes it under control and says, what should I do? Now, in the Old Testament, the terms for anger are, are kind of interesting. 
because they often deal with facial expression. And so, you know, the, the, the gritted teeth or the stare or the face that flushes, we all know we can pick it out when it's happening, right? And, and, and there's this outward expression that, that comes across as angry. But also there's internal things going on when the adrenaline is spiking. And from what we hear, that isn't particularly good for your system. And so in some ways, we aren't even meant to carry this kind of weight. We aren't meant to keep it charging through us. And it's better to take it on that day and say, what do I need to do? Um, I want to suggest, too, as long as I'm in this, it is not particularly righteous if you're afraid to say, oh, well, I'll just forget it. What does righteousness have to do with fear? And so there's a conscious decision in saying, is my pride driving this? And so I have to dominate or have my way. Or is my fear kicking in and I'm afraid of getting <laughs> dominated or pushed back and so I'm not going to say anything? Or am I truly submitting this unto the Lord and saying, what do you want done in this moment? And how do you want me to respond? And taking on that question immediately rather than just stewing. This passage goes on and it says, you must let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for the building up of the one in need. And I'm going, if it follows right after this anger passage, let's also suggest that our words are powerful in the moment. That would be one application out of this. He goes back into it a little later and he says, put away bitterness, anger, wrath, quarreling, and slanderous talk. All of those are connected to anger, right? So you had it in front, you had it in back. I'm thinking that the talk in the middle probably is valuable in, in light of this as well. James puts things this way. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. Let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Generally, the selfishness in us is incapable of listening to what God really has. And so the challenge is, God, what is your voice in this moment? What is your word for me? I want to jump to Proverbs for a bit um, and read through some, and then we'll finish. A fool lets fly with all his temper, but a wise person keeps it back. In other words, there is a, a beauty to taking control over those emotions. Here's a, a few verses that say and talk about being slow to anger. Someone with great understanding is slow to anger, but the one who is quick temper exalts folly. In other words, you're, you're giving way to foolishness if you just vent yourself all the time. But he says, if you have true wisdom and understanding, you take control of this. 
be slow to anger is better than being a mighty warrior or even conquering a city. Interesting thought, huh? Better than, than a victory out in the open. A person's wisdom makes him slow to anger and it's to his glory to overlook an offense. Wow. In other words, <laughs> in the Lord, there's an opportunity to just say, it's not important. Now, if it hangs on, maybe it is important to you and you need to deal with it. But it's a beautiful thing in the Lord to be able to say, nah, I'm not going to get upset over that. We do that in some measure every day, right? I mean, if, <laughs> if the buttons on my shirt don't fit quite right and it's a little bit... I don't think about that all day long. It's not worth the bother. It's better to have the shirt on. Right? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. In that sense... There are things that are just too small. And maybe the, the bigger thing that you can release in the Lord in some ways is just a sign of the wisdom that you hold. Let's go on. A gentle, answer, a gentle response turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Many years ago, Char and I were wiring a house we were in Kentucky doing this for about six months, and, uh, and a, a lady had bought a house. Th these were pre-contracted houses, and a lady had bought the house telling the people that she was buying it from that she was going to run a restaurant inside the house. Well, we wired it. We, didn't, we hadn't heard anything about that. And uh, we got sent back because breakers kept popping. You know, and I go back, and she's got two refrigerators and a freezer on one line, which is supposed to have one fridge per line, okay? And I'm going, it's obvious. You can't do that. You know, you got cords running all over. It, you just can't. I told them <laughs> that I was running a restaurant. And she starts cussing me out. I mean, she is wound up, and she needs some kind of action, right? And uh, it's, uh, it's amazing, the words that came out of her mouth and, and, and you know, the, the facial features were all expressing anger, you know. And I remember answering her, answering her calmly twice in a row, and it unraveled her. She was ready to duke it out, but she could not handle somebody not firing back. Now... I didn't like being caught in the middle, <laughs> for sure. But in that moment, I'm looking at a verse like this and going, it works. It really works. You know, and we were able to have a good conversation and try to patch things up, but, you know, it, it was one of those moments where you're just going, I'm actually seeing things fit right now. Uh, I'm going to read a few more. A quick-tempered person stirs up dissension, but one who is slow to anger calms a quarrel. Um, a 
thought I have in regard to that, if you are forming committees different times, don't get somebody that's a hothead. It doesn't help the group. Just uh, find someone else. You'll be happier for it. Because it can just cause the whole thing to foment when it isn't necessary. Here's one. A relative offended is harder to reach than a strong city. Boy, we know that in family life, right? Because there's a whole history that develops over years. And when people get cranked up, and it's really hard to patch that and bring it back. And Scripture just says, you know, it's better not to get into that pit. Um, here's an interesting one. Don't make friends with an angry person. Do not associate with a wrathful person, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. In other words, pick your friends carefully, because if you're running around with some hothead and you become like that, you're going to suffer the same sorrows. And here's another one. A person with great anger bears the penalty, but if you deliver him once, you will have to do it again. So again, if you're, if you're running around with a hothead, you may bail him out once or twice, but then you ought to learn your lesson. I had a few friends over the years that just loved to start fights. And after a while, you're going, I don't necessarily want to be in on this every time. And it's a whole lot better to just step away. Go find someone else. Here's the last one. Like a city that is broken down without walls, so is a person who cannot control his temper. And essentially what that's saying is you make your life vulnerable to destruction if you're unwilling to control your temper. You open yourself up to disaster. It's like a city whose walls are broken down. There's no protection for that kind of thing. So I walk through these, and I'm, and I'm going, I think virtually all of us have to deal with the issues associated with this, right? I mean, we have different ways of expression. We have different levels of emotional temperament. That's not good or bad. But the issue is, are we submitting this unto the Lord in a way that allows him to have his voice come through the situation? And are we willing to take control of something even though it's stirring us toward action? You know, are we willing to channel that energy in an appropriate direction? You, you are called to some kind of response, but how you respond is up to you. You know, when... That adrenaline is there for a reason. It calls you to action. But what are you going to do with it once it's flowing? It's like, God, <laughs> do you want me to just release this and forget about it and go on to something else? If so, I'm going to need your help in this moment. Do you want me to confront this in a gentle fashion but still go after it? And again, I'm going to need your help. Or do you want me to set this aside for, for a time until it's better approached? 
And again, I'm going to need your help so I don't become bitter. You know, if you wait too long, that's what happens, right? Bitterness creeps in. Or if you let things pile up without challenging, you don't want that either. But it's, it's like the, the Scripture is saying there's opportunity for help and hope even with this. There's opportunity to do things differently. Um, I was reviewing things in myself and just kind of going, I can see how things came out through my dad's family and uh, how I, in a sense, learned some of my habits. But at the same time, they brought me to a place and I can hopefully take a step forward into better and hopefully my kids and their kids go further because the goal is righteousness in the Lord, right? So I just, uh, I put those things out to you. You know, it's a natural response, but it needs to be tempered by the grace of God. And that we have to decide, am I mad at others or am I really mad at God? And then to choose what's the appropriate response. I pray for God's blessing on you. There is a sweet sense of the presence of God here this morning. I encourage you not to be afraid to leave. Just let God speak to you however he will. So, may your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to hear your voice speaking life to them. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.